TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Thanks for joining us. Beautiful, snowy Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. The collegiate football season. What about a seven, eight-month travail? Finally coming to a close with an outstanding game last night. We were off yesterday. Did a replay show yesterday. We apologize that uh, for all the listeners that tuned in yesterday. So we got to talk some NFL football as well. Today we'll peek ahead to the weekend that was, and it is Residue Tuesday. So we'll recap four. Pretty darn good NFL football games from the weekend. It's the two guys at a mic show, TalkZone.com, off and running, or at the very least, into a slight job. Hey, David, uh, David Olson, our producer, real quick, just for my pontification stakes, I'm assuming when I go into my basketball dribbling routine and boxing with the microphone, is the webcast on at that point, or am I doing that for my own personal edification? No, usually when you start doing that, I turn the cameras on. On or off? Uh, maybe I should do it the other way. <laughs> I'm turning them on, but it should be the other way around. How about when I eat my half-eaten apple during the break? You turn the cameras no, no, off? No, no, no. There's a, there's a picture covering yeah, the entire thank screen. God. I'm going to nominate you. I don't know what the uh, Internet Sports Show Producer of the Year Awards. I don't know if we have any awards. I know me and Joel, we invented our own awards. The Lubitron Awards. So if there's not an actual award show, somehow or other, David Olson, this year in 2011, you will win an award for uh, Outstanding Producer of an English-speaking show and a non-English-speaking station. It's the coach of the big dog with you right up until 11 o'clock. One hour of sports talk and it's, well, you won't say it's best, but uh, maybe slightly better than, than mediocre. Speaking of slightly better than mediocre, let me bring in my partner via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. It is the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Slightly better than mediocre. Welcome, Joel. Oh, Coach, you're the only one who's nice to me. <laughs> I don't want to build you up too much early in the week. You know, We're going to build to a crescendo. On Friday, you'll be my best friend, bud. Well, you're certainly going to need some friends by Friday because you're going to be complaining so much about the Bears this week that you probably... We'll need a friend or two, Coach. I don't know if I'll be complaining. Uh, you know, I, First of all, I was the one who told you last week not to underestimate the Seattle Seahawks. Seven and nine, all the jokes, everybody laughing. There's there's a certain feeling, and it's even stronger now about the Seattle Seahawks team, that uh, if I was a Bear fan, I think the expression I use, it's an old one, be careful what you wish for, Big Dog, because uh, you just might get it. Well, you know what? I, I actually am glad to play in the Seahawks this week, Coach. Okay. And I, I totally know what you're coming, where you're coming from, but the fact that they've already lost to this team this year yep. makes me feel a lot more comfortable. If the Bears had not played this team and they were seven and nine coming into Soldier Field, I would be afraid. I would be kissing my butt goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know how the I, Bears I, are. It's weird, but I agree with you. Psychologically, I think it, it actually helps if you lost to the team before. It's a slight advantage for the team that lost. Not in all situations. Like they, the, the Seahawks were ten and six mm-hmm. the other way around. But the simple fact is, the, the Bears yeah. better play their best football game if they want to win. 
So mm-hmm. I think they're, you're more likely to get one the fact that they've lost already. Any NFL fans out there? And again, we're a day late and a dollar short here, but our show was off yesterday, so we got to pick up a little residue. It is residue Tuesday here on the TalkZone.com. It's a tradition. We'll talk about some of the NFL games, and of course, we will definitely, definitely get to last night's game. But uh, you know, everybody talking about Matt Hasselbeck and his res- resurrection. Big dog. What I was most impressed with was the neon green jerseys, all eleven of them on defense. As you would like to say, as an old linebacker back in college, they were flying around the football, very active defensively. That's what concerns me the most. Well, uh, they that very active defense also gave up 36 points to the Saints. So. <laughs> That's true. You know, so I'm not I'm about to get too I mean, they, they did okay. make a lot of big plays, and you know, it's not always about how many points you give up. Sometimes it's about how many turnovers and all that other stuff. But, but it was just the, the aggressiveness and the intensity, but you are right. Another old expression which proves true, never confuse activity with accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we many? gave up 36 points. I, 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 actually, Matt Hasselbeck, all those touch passes, he was just basically was just moving around the pocket, throwing up a rainbow, ducking before he got killed, and then mm-hmm. uh, a Seahawk would run underneath it at full sprint. You know, that happened a few times during the game. One of the many flying Hasselback throwing brothers. I think there's like there's four. There's plenty of them. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. They're, they're the Marion Hasselbacks, too. They marry a bunch of, like, really nice, really pretty girls, too. Hey. Why argue with success? They're, they're, they're the offensive version of the flying Matthews brothers and family and fathers and uncles who all seem to be linebackers with long hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number here. If you want to check in, talk some NFL football from the weekend that was. You want to peek ahead to a, a big set of games coming up this weekend. Already excited about NFL football this weekend. And uh, we got to talk college football. The game last night, Big Dog, you are a huge college football fan. I know it's a little depressing for you realizing that the uh, seven-and-a-half-month excursion hath come to an end, but... If it wasn't a phenomenal game last night, it was uh, it was way above average. Auburn takes the national championship. Very entertaining game. Yeah, sorry to all the people that were expecting, you know, fifty-two to, to fifty-one that yep. you didn't get it, but instead you got a something that every yard was fought for in that game. Auburn, I definitely uh, the superior team after watching, even though it was twenty-two nineteen. I really felt like Auburn was the better team, coach. So they they ended up winning, but wow, it, it was going back and forth. It, it seemed like every big penalty was was against Oregon. Every single thing that could have got Oregon some some type of momentum, you know, that Auburn was able to snatch it from them. It, they really should have won by a lot more than that. But Oregon fought their excuse me fought their butts off to keep it a, a close game. Mm-hmm. And without question, one of the greatest plays in the history of college football happened yesterday when Nick Dyer. They thought he was down and he stopped and kind of looked around and kept running. That there was a difference in the game. Well, coach. when you say greatest, I'm not going to give it, it to him. Memorable. On How about that? What's that? Most memorable. Yes, most memorable and most significant because it was the key play in the final drive that won a team a national championship. Mm-hmm. But it was a little cheap because basically the guy was tackled. Now, by letter of the law, the knee was not down. The referees made the correct call. I'm not going to argue that, but. Just from a fan standpoint, by all rights and means, by all normal due disclosure of a, of a football game, he was tackled. That was a tackle. He should have been down, so there was a little cheapness with it. It, it took a, a little bit of something out of my uh, enjoyment of the final victory. Well, well, it did a little bit for me because I, I wanted Oregon and yes. a non-SEC team to win. Yep. But I, earlier this year when I was roughing a game, there was an amazing play and and everybody had stopped. 
and the girl that actually had the flags realized what was going on, that her flag was still on, so she, then she started running again, and some guy came into my face and started screaming <laughs> at me, why didn't you let me know the play was over? Seriously, and I'm, I was like, mm-hmm. this guy's an idiot. I'm like, I didn't blow my whistle. Yep. He's like, huh? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Everybody in Oregon stops, Coach. Everybody on Oregon stops. Mm-hmm. All well, I had to do is keep and, on playing. You couldn't blame him. No, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, well, there was no whistle. Was no really, whistle. Well, I know, but you see the guy tackled. I think the, the first guy that realized it, even before the running back, was an assistant coach on the yeah. sidelines. Yes, you're exactly right, because he's yelling, go, yeah. go, and he's he looked, waving the arms. <laughs> he looked like ex-Chicago Cup third base coach waving Wendell Kim. He's got the arms, like, go, 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 and he's really the guy that, to me, I couldn't blame most of the players for stopping, because as I said before, it looked like, and in reality it was, your basic open field tackle. The guy was down. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, what are you going to do? By letter of the law, he wasn't. They drove down the field. I think the difference in the game, and I agree with you, Auburn looked like the better team. The difference of the game, and you, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out, a little bigger and a little more physical inside with, uh, as one of our announcers likes to say, the big uglies. Wouldn't you say? Amen, Coach. Huh? Amen. And th- that was the difference of the game. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit bigger and a little bit uh, meaner on the inside and maybe a slightly better quarterback. And when I say a slightly better quarterback, that's an ultimate compliment to Oregon's Darren Thomas because I'll tell you what, that kid, attitude, ability, the sack, and I'm not talking about getting tackled deep in the uh, in his defensive backfield, his, his bravado, his guts, I love that kid, but you know, Cam Newton is the Heisman Trophy winner. He's also, what, 6'4", about 225. So to six, me, it was physicality no, six, six. and sex. He's 6'6", 265. Wow. And, and basically, the difference in the game was the fact that Auburn had Cam Newton, and on third and two, you can snap it to him, and yep. he would run and fall forward for two and a half yards. Mm-hmm. And down in the twice, twice inside the five-yard line, Oregon got zero points, and they lost 22 to 19. Mm-hmm. They they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Nope. They had no goal line offense. So it, it's it's really amazing. You know, they get all cute all year long, coach. They they can run a play within eight seconds. They average between seventeen seconds. They go up and down the field, but they don't have a goal line offense. They're going from shotgun on the one yard line. Yeah. It's, it's it was one of the most moronic things. I, I I had no idea they didn't have any type of goal line offense. Coach. No. They don't have any plays. They can go up under the center and just turn around <laughs> and hand it to a. A I, big uh, dude from Eastern Washington that's named like Pickelcheck, <laughs> you know what I mean? Could just take the ball two yards. Yeah, I, I don't you know what? That. I'm not sure if that would have worked, big dog. And the reason they don't have a goal line offense, you alluded to, is they scored, you know, so easy so often this year they didn't really need to work on it. But I, I don't think uh, even uh, Ugo Ogachaki at six feet four inches, two hundred and eighty pound fullback, I don't think he would have scored because that Auburn defensive line was just dominating the point of attack. Oh yeah, no, Nick Fairley, uh, he went from. You think he's probably going to be a top five pick? Should he be number one over Dequan Bowers? I mean, it was that easy last night. I mean, that's exactly what happened. You know, who's funny is after the second drive of the game, number ninety-three. His name was Blanc. He's from uh, he's from some southern part of Florida, right mm-hmm. by Miami. He didn't go to the U. He went to Auburn. He was on. They showed him on the sidelines puking. You know, or, Oregon wasn't moving the ball really well, but you know they were still going at an, a high tempo. This guy's puking. I'm like, oh, they got this guy. Mm-hmm. Next drive they go out there, they made this guy run in two different directions. He basically collapsed on the field. They <laughs> end up going down the field and score a touchdown. And I'm not kidding you, after that point, I'm like, that guy is finished. Coach, he dominated the rest of the game. I've never saw a guy in one mm-hmm. game puking on the sidelines 
and then it looked even worse when he gets out there, and then all of a sudden he was fine the rest of the game. I, I, that was pretty impressive to me. I think more people might try that. What it does is it gets rid of all the bad carcinogens in your body. A uh, good, you know, it might become a football trend if this continues. A good pukage. Maybe they'll have a little, you know, certain area of the field you can do that. It cleanses you a little bit. It's almost like a elimination of uh, fluids in, in another particular area. But, uh, you know, possibly that helped the guy. Yeah, you know what? It's, you, think about it. Supermodels do it all the time. So yeah. maybe, like, you know, doing heroin, starving yourself, and puking will be trendy now, well, even us, for football players. Well, I can tell you what. Nick Fairley, the defensive lineman, of those three, starving himself will not be an option. No, no, that will not be an option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was not on the sidelines at all puking yesterday. Uh, it was yeah. his teammates, but yeah, he he made himself millions and millions of dollars wow. yesterday, Coach. Wow. Millions of dollars. Big, quick. The only uh, part that I didn't like, and it happened a couple of times with the Auburn <laughs> players, and again, it it uh, uh, took away from my enjoyment, quite frankly, of them winning the championship. Is some some visibly, and the cameras caught him cheap. Shots, one of them, big dog, given by uh, our good friend Nick Farley. Uh, yeah, Nick Farley. Farley ripped off with Michael James' helmet. Uh, they, they got the, they got him on that 15-yarder. Yeah. They show him step on the guy's ankle yep. while he's walking through a pile. There was another guy in the kickoff team who's kicking. He's kicking a guy while he's down. Yeah. And, Actually, it was, and they called a late hit, and he was like, I yeah. didn't do it late. <laughs> he yells to the ref, I didn't do it late. Well, yeah. I'm sorry if it wasn't late, but it was still a kick. Yeah, it was okay. actually, to be more specific, I think it was a knee. The guy's down, the whistle had blown, and he takes his, you know, brings his knee back and just knees the guy in the abdomen. The referee's called a foul, and then he gets up, his hands are up in the air. Hey, not me. I'm yeah, clean. He said, he not said me. it wasn't late. I just uh, that's so funny. Yeah, well, the cameras <laughs> caught him, and, and Brett Musburger <laughs> called, or Herb Street called him. By the way, what was wrong? Either with my hearing aids or Curb Herbstreet's voice yesterday, but was he higher pitched and more uh, maniacal than usual? I didn't. I didn't notice that. Right. To be honest with you, Coach, I, I have to admit I was. Uh, it, it, it's cool because we are like the college football mecca. My house, yes, in this in the Aurora neighborhood. So we had a lot of people over at the house last okay. night. They just show up. Okay, the college football games like people I haven't seen in like. <laughs> Ten months since the last time that particular rivalry happened, they'll just show up at my house. You guys watching a game tonight? My my <laughs> wife wants to watch Dancing with the Stars or something. I'm not kidding you, coach. It's like every uh, every big game, there's people that show up at our home. So the the United Nations had a few new members yesterday, huh? Yeah, yes. Uh, even though we lost Russell, our Asian roommate, uh, we still have other people showing up on on college football yeah. games. So. How's Russell, the uh, Asian room? Things haven't been the same since Russell left. But uh, have you checked in with him? He moved where? Out west, I believe. Yeah, he moved to, to Addison, coach. Oh, okay. So not that far west. Yeah, he's living in his brother's basement. Okay. So it, in his family, he either has to find a woman in the next six months or commit Harry Carey. <laughs> That's the family tradition. Yes, it is. It uh, is. It, they don't. Re, they don't. Uh, they don't procreate a lot in the family. I don't know. Based on a few marriages I've seen of late, he might want to go Harry Carey. It's a a tough call right now. 888-4636. If not not Jimmy Pearsall, Coach. Well, one of the two. 6748, the phone number. You want to talk the national championship game, end of college football. Congratulations to Auburn, their first national championship since I was one years old. Big dog back in 1957. Again, 888-463-6748. What do you think of the Oregon uniforms? Coach, so much better than I thought they were going to be. Yep. And and here's why. This is the first and foremost reason. I, I don't get off on the whole Oregon thing. I love the fact they had different uniforms. I appreciate it. 
But every single time I see one, I'm like, that that thing is butt ugly. First of all, the helmets were awesome. The carbon fiber helmets yep. were really cool looking. And number two, thank goodness that those socks actually, it was, I, I thought, you know how like in the, in the mid eighties, really rich white women that didn't have to go to work and they, and they, they would go to the health club and work out. They used to wear leg warmers, like these socks that would go over their shoe. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. And go halfway down over the shoe. To, it just looked ridiculous. That's what I thought Oregon was wearing as of socks. And then I realized it was just regular fluorescent green socks, and the shoe started half fluorescent green mm-hmm. on, you know, on the shoe. So it wasn't like one of those 1980s uh, jazzer-sized socks by Jane Fonda or something like mm-hmm. that. So that was a big relief, Coach. Other than that, love the helmet, the rest of the stuff. How about, how about just trying the... to be goofy for goofy? Hey, let's try. Let's look as bad as we possibly well, can and, and offend people. I, I get sick of that stuff. But the uniform Seriously. itself, well, yeah, I do too. And I expected to come in, you know, and not liking the flash and dash, breaking out new uniforms in a national championship game. Stop it! You're just trying to show off. But I, no. I'm kind of with you. It looked very cool, and I like the uh, the winged foot or the wings on the shoulder pads, and I like the fact the uniform itself was not overly flashy. It was sleek, but it wasn't like, you know. Mind-boggling. It wasn't uh, too much for the eye, if you know what I mean. Which they, what they typically do. Yes. So it was, it was, and it's, it was understated in a very flashy and sleek and modernistic way. I thought it was cool. Well, okay. I, I'm not gonna. I just thought it was a lot better than what I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. Coach. I was happy with that. You actually you know, sometimes I, Oregon will do uniforms, Coach, where I'm just like, wow, that's a beautiful uniform. And then other times I'm, I'm just like, want to puke on myself. So. Where do they get that budget for all the new uniforms? It's got to cost some money. Oh, you you don't know what's going on over there at the University of Oregon, and when what people are like, hey, you can't win at the University of Oregon, Chip Kelly's got to leave. Uh, there's a there's a, a sporting goods company named Nike. Coach, mm-hmm. let me tell you the history of Nike. They got a billion dollars to blow. Okay, that's uh, if that's good enough. And if they're you located... need more information about it, I'll, I'll be more than happy to go into it. Are there headquarters in Beaverton, Oregon? Uh, yes, they are, Coach. Okay. And there's no NCAA restrictions against uh-uh, said corporation. Their, no, any no? corporation. If, if Nike wanted to drop a, they, they have Alabama too. If Nike wanted to spend a uh, hundred million dollars on new facilities for Alabama, they could do mm-hmm. that if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. The NCAA has NCA has no problems with corporate uh, people throwing money mm-hmm. at, at organizations. None. Mm-hmm. I, I don't so. know about the uh, the shoes. I don't even know about the uh, metallic. Colored helmet, but uh, you in particular, I think the neon green socks that they were wearing, you would look good in those because I think what it would do was it would uh, extrograde your award-winning calf muscles. I think you might want to try those babies. No, Coach, that's you know now that you say that, yeah, you do have a point there. I People absolutely. would notice it a little bit more. They don't have the size of the. Yeah. Legs. Well, not just the size. I think what makes your calf muscles particularly special, and for those new to the show, we're not just getting uh, homophobic here, but Joel's calf muscles have been pictured in at least a couple of different magazines, correct? Muscle and fitness, one of them. Yeah. Just your calf. Yeah. Not they, the they rest They wouldn't show anything else. Interesting. Interesting. I tried to flash my buttocks, and they, they told me to stand up. <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, it's not just the, the size of the calf muscle, it's the longevity of it. And I think those neon socks would truly bring out the best with a little makeup and a little touch up work. Yeah. yeah well, uh, I, the, the socks weren't so bad, coach. Uh, it's funny because I don't like the wings, the ones that you were saying you liked. I, I don't like, like those whatsoever. Yeah. But when they, they do have like a, you know, like the matted metal great <laughs> finish. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Like no. it looks like, uh, 
It looks like a uh, a pickup truck bed. What? You know, it's like they cross over. You know what I mean? Who are we talking about? Now? I got lost here. I'm trying to I'm trying to explain a pattern to you. Oh, okay. For Oregon, they have like a. Have you ever walked into a a, a like a a refrigerator, like a, one of those big, <laughs> like uh, corporate sized refrigerators, and they have that metal grating floor. Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? Right. Those metal grating floors. Yes. Instead of the wings, Oregon has those on their shoulders. Okay. I mean, they they go above and beyond, Coach. So it, it was kind of funny because I put in Oregon, and I just started putting in national championship. I got to, like, N.A. Mm-hmm. First Google, Google search was Oregon national championship jersey. So they created a buzz, Coach. Everybody always wants to know what they're wearing for the next game. Mm-hmm. And so in some way, Nike, by doing this to them, Yes, uh, they're atrocious uniforms, but we're talking about them right now. We're not mm-hmm. talking about how Jim Kelly was thoroughly outcoached. Not thoroughly, but he was outcoached. And uh, we're talking about their uniforms instead of a loss. So. Yep. Yeah, well, I'm interested to say why you thought he got outcoached. I saw a couple of things. I think, first of all, I think the guy's a hell of a coach. He's yeah. a brilliant offensive mind. He's like Charlie Weiss, but he's actually the likable version of Charlie Weiss. Why do you think he was outcoached by the uh, extremely attractive square jaw of a Gene Chizik. Um, quite this, uh, Lou Holtz brought up this one fact, and I thought it was phenomenal. I'll get to that in a second. First and foremost, to not have any style of goal line offense in there, and I do agree, Blanc and uh, Nick Fairley were a heck of a hell to move out of the out of the you know the two and three technique. So I do understand, Coach, that that might not have helped, but to only have shotgun on the goal line, come on, that's that's right there. You got to coach. And number two, great point by Lou Holtz. Everybody was talking about Oregon's tempo, unbelievable tempo. They get to the line, they, they snap the ball, and it's true. And up to this point, they were the best coach team in all of college football because basically you can put them on automatic. You can just basically have your quarterback out there yelling out instructions. Well, what happens if it's second and 12 and third and eight? All of a sudden they had to stop the tempo and start calling plays from the sideline. And I think Chip Kelly should have been like, you know what, keep the tempo up. You're a well-coached team. Mm-hmm. If it's third and nine, don't slow down. Don't ask me for questions. Mm-hmm. You guys should know what to do. It was almost like they had so much success this year, they weren't prepared to not have success offensively. That's and good. did you know? And they didn't go really high tempo all day long, did yeah. they, Coach? They had yeah, to stop you're it. right. You know, and and I would, if I was Chip Kelly, I'd be like, listen, the number one advantage we have over them is our conditioning. These guys, their whole defensive line weighs more than an offensive line. That never happens nowadays. It's usually mm-hmm. the offensive line is always bigger than the D-line. And the other way around, it definitely was Auburn to mm-hmm. Oregon's defensive line. They had to keep on going no matter what. If I'd rather have third and nine, my quarterback pushing the ball down the field, than third and nine, here, let's make sure we have the right play in now, Darren. Mm-hmm. I would have trusted my quarterback and say, go, go, go. Not one that I thought of during the game, but great point. Great point, both you and Lou Holtz and uh, two of the finest football minds that I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. That's an outstanding point. I don't think the announcers brought that up, but you're exactly right. And again, uh, folks, you want to check in, 888-463-6748. Talk a little national championship uh, football from last night. Yeah, Lou uh, didn't tell him to do it. He just said, hey, did you notice that Auburn was so good yeah. that they put him in long situations? Yeah. And so I was like, you know, yeah. I, that's the right, but I mean, well, it, thing, if it's if it's, you know, if you have them at first and 10, and all of a sudden it goes to second and 12, if you stop, you can start, hey, let's get mm-hmm. let's get a nickel guy out there. Let's get one of our linemen off and, yep. uh, and one of our, like, safeties or, or corners on really quick. So mm-hmm. Yeah, er- er- early on, 
Early on, Oregon had uh, Auburn's defense on the run, at least huffing and puffing. They had a backpedaling a little bit, or as you so beautifully described on our breakfast show here, puking on the sidelines. Yeah, and you're exactly yeah. right. And again, I didn't think of it during the game, but but the pace slowed, and it slowed because Auburn started getting some stops, and, or, and Oregon's offense just slowed down. You're right. They should have kept going. Yeah, Keep it that same ball. pace. Great point. Did Lou Holtz get that from you, or did you get that from Lou Holtz? Well, no, Lou Holtz didn't say they should have done it. He just said, hey, did you notice that Auburn was able to slow mm-hmm. mess up Oregon's tempo right. by forcing them in the long-distance situations? That's all he said, and I'm like, you know, that shouldn't have mattered. It should not have mattered. That They should have been coached up to go through. You know, I know all year long they, they scored 73 at New Mexico State. They scored whatever on so-and-so, and, you know, they put up all these points. But I think their team had to be prepared to, hey, mm-hmm. if we are being stopped, if we are getting in long-down situations, these are the plays that we're going to run, and we're not going to slow up. We're going to continue to do it. So, what do you think of uh, Cameron Lucius, uh, Newton, the fine quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner for Auburn? Does he go pro, and is he a legit NFL quarterback after watching him at the highest level of pressure last night, Doug? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I, I'm going to have to say yes because, first of all, you got to be a leader of men. Yep. And I think after winning the national title, and he had some type of broken bone. I don't know what it is. Hopefully I'll find out soon. He had to get x-rayed last night. Uh, and just you a can broken tell bone, they'll, they'll snap it back into place. Not a problem. But he kept playing, Coach, through it. Not a problem. Yeah. And he's got fun. He's fundamentally sound. I mean, when he throws the ball, he gets his shoulders square. He's, mm-hmm. You know, he's quick with the release. And, and he's not going to get up any higher in terms of uh, where he'll be picked. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of think he, he's got to go pro. Yeah, yeah. He, he impressed me. We all know about his great athletic ability, his unbelievable arm, his great size. What I saw, it again, at the highest level of pressure in this national championship game is composure in the pocket, decision-making ability, touch on short passes, touch and accuracy on medium-range passes. I was impressed with that part of his game, Big Dog, and I would agree with you. NFL ready right now as a, as a quarterback. And the people that just crashed Blaine Gibbert's going to be the number one quarterback taken overall. He's pretty good, too. What? What? But if you need a quarterback, i, I got to go with the guy that's got the size, the athleticism, the leadership mm-hmm. ability, the, the fundamentally right. sound part of the game. If I'm the uh, Carolina Panthers, I'll take either one of those two. Blaine Gibbert basically is Ben Roethlisberger, which is pretty good. He's nowhere near the size of Roethlisberger. He's, oh, he's a pretty big guy. Cam Newton's more the size of a Ben Roethlisberger. Well, Blaine Gibbert, if I remember correctly, not a he's a big quarterback. Kind of has yeah, the, but, that's who he reminded me when I saw him play for the uh, for the Missouri Tiger. At any rate, you do feel Cam Newton. First of all, he has to declare that he's going to go to the NFL, right? Yes, yes, he okay. got to declare because he's he's a he still has a year of eligibility mm-hmm. left. By the way, I don't want to depress you here, but two negative notes for you. Uh, one has to do with one of your favorite football teams, and two has to be your beat the schmoes football picks. Which which of the bad news do you want first? Well, I do believe I went one and three in my in my beat the schmoes. <laughs> I I should not have switched over. I switched, uh, I switched uh, Green Bay, Philadelphia, and yeah, Kansas City, yeah, Baltimore, just yeah. to be cute. I should have just you stayed on the trap. Fell on the trap. Beat the yeah. schmoes. Uh, we'll we'll do it again this weekend. You got chance to bounce back. But the big dog uh, uh, and producer extraordinaire David Olson both going one and three. By the way, quietly. Very quietly, I'm having a career season, big dog. 
I went three and one again. I'm I'm off the charts this year. Again, I'm going to keep it quiet, and then I'll really go braggadocio when it's all over. But um, you, you know, I just changed because I didn't want to do the same thing. I don't you. want to hear I just excuses. Just to change. I don't want to hear excuses. Now you want I'm bad news number two. Well, what's the bad news number two? Your favorite college football team, the University of Illinois, has lost linebacker Martez Wilson and star running back Mikel Shore. They both declared for the NFL. Okay, I, I, I think about this a little bit different than almost anybody else on the planet does. Mm-hmm. You know what? Those two players aren't as big as the Illinois football program. I hope they go to the NFL, and I hope they play dominantly. And hopefully there'll be linebackers and, and running backs that are getting recruited this year that are like, hey, they're, they're so good over there at Illinois. They, they have such good off-season workout programs and, and uh, coaching styles that I can get drafted. I can leave early after three years. I can get drafted in the NFL in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. So whatever, a lot of Illinois fans are freaking out about it. You got to look at it the positive side. Right. And you know what? It's time for Marquez Wilson to go. And by the way, Mikel Shore might be the best running back in this draft. This is not a good running back here. You knew he was going to go pro coach. No. So hopefully, for a legit, that would be the biggest loss at the that could be there for Illinois because you know Jason Ford is there at running back. They got a couple other running backs that are young. They won't be Mikel Shore, but it won't be a huge drop-off. They don't have anybody on the D-line anywhere near as quite legit who will be a top-15 pick in the NFL draft if he left mm-hmm. this year. So I'm more worried about him than I am about the other guy to self-coach. All right. One of the best evaluators of college football talent, this side of Mel Kuyper and his hair. Actually, I put you ahead of Mel Kuyper and just behind his hair. I put you in between the two. Joel Radwanski, Mr. Optimism, folks. Mr. Optimism joining us on the show today. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap the NFL games from the weekend. Sneak peek ahead at four great games coming up this weekend. Maybe a little sports guys talk politics, a couple other news and notes as well. Phone lines are open if you want to join us. 888-463-6748. Quick break. Back in a minute. Don't go anywhere. Lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, Two Guys and a Mic, TalkZone.com, the big dog and the coach. And uh, big dog, just a friendly reminder, my Confucius thought for the day. Yeah. Today is the tomorrow that you were looking forward to yesterday. Not bad, Coach. Thank you very Not much. Not bad. I like it. Thank you. Confucius thought. That doesn't thought. make sense. Well, no, but that's the very essence of the Confucius thought. Uh, welcome back. Big Dog and the Coach at your service up to 11 o'clock. And phone lines open. If you want to squeeze in, we got nine lines open. Hate when that happens. 888-463-6748. Big Dog, just as an overview, you know I'm a high school and college football guy first. I root for my Bears. I'm not a big – I don't watch a lot of NFL football during the regular season, but, boy, I watched a lot of the playoff games this past weekend, and just as an overall, that was some uh, quality, entertaining 
sports action via the NFL. Uh, Coach, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. You know, you know, I always say that I'm more of a college guy, definitely more of a college guy than a pro guy, but it doesn't mean I don't love NFL football. Mm-hmm. But this week, my goodness, I just, it, I just get reminded by the intensity of NFL football every single week and how the level of play that these guys play at, phenomenal. Just a reminder, the Bears better come ready to play because <laughs> – those are the eight teams that played this weekend. You, know, you you look at the Colts and the Jets game. Could Peyton Manning play any better, Coach? There was a couple mistakes by his receivers, cutting mm-hmm. off routes in front of the first down markers, and he didn't pick a blitz up and got hit. And But still, other than that, the guy was phenomenal, was magical, did everything right all day long. Oh, by the way, his team lost. And you know, I, I wanted to go back. You're right. I wanted to go back to the replay of that game. And was there a way... Did they make a little coaching mistake? Was there a way the Indianapolis Colts could have milked the clock a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, they definitely could have milked the clock a little bit more. That's... It was Peyton Manning throwing the ball 17 yards downfield, and it hit Blair White between the one and the five, and I, I guess he didn't like getting hit the ball in the chest. Maybe you should have caught it with your hands, Blair White, mm-hmm. while he was kind of like sliding. Perfect passes. Uh, but that's Manning not a... was on the move. It, I, I think they just assumed they were going to keep on moving the ball at that point, Coach. So if Blair White catches the ball, the they can basically, Adam Vinatieri is making or attempting a 33-yard field goal mm-hmm. at that point. All they have to do is run the clock out. That would have been a first down. As it was, he kicked, what was it, a 50-yarder? Yeah, a 50-yarder uh-huh. with like 53 seconds to go or but, something like that, Coach. But totally down different. in the final minute or two, did they have a chance to work that clock down less so that the the New York well, Jets they, would? They did. They did. They ran They ran the ball to the middle. Jets called timeout. Okay. And so that was on second down. So now it's like third and six. They they drop back to throw the ball, and you, you got to figure you got to you have to play assuming that yes. with Peyton Manning you can put yourself in third and six and still yeah. get the first down. Yeah. I'm sure both of us would call plays assuming that. Yeah. Well, he hit Blair White right between the numbers, and Blair White dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. And at that point, as good as Adam Vinatieri is, you can't count on a 50-yard field goal. No, so you, you got you got a 50. Exactly, and now and you're you're counting on your your defense to stop them. Okay. So, so you're, you're exactly right. So you're telling me from a coaching standpoint there really wasn't a chance to milk that clock much farther. They, they tried to. Blair White okay. dropped the ball. Okay. If Blair White catches the ball, right okay. now we're talking about uh, Peyton Manning uh, taking on the number two seed mm-hmm. right now. So with it, yeah, it would be, uh, it'd be Indianapolis going into to Pittsburgh. And it would be – well, no, I guess, uh, yeah, then it would have been Baltimore, who was the lower mm-hmm. seed going into yeah, – Well, as it was, the, uh, the Jets uh, came back. Matt Sanchez, who missed uh, – Two or three big play opportunities earlier in the game. The biggest play of the game was the ensuing kickoff return by Antonio Cromartie, who Without was a filling doubt, in. Biggest play of the game, yeah. Coach. Absolutely right. He got him, what, up to the 40-45 yard line. A couple of Sanchez passes and uh field goal wins the game for the Jets. But, uh, boy, good stuff throughout in that particular game. Yes, that was that was a very, very well-played game. Uh The other AFC game was a really good game for the first uh like 18 minutes or so. And then in the third quarter, you know, the Baltimore Ravens took over in the second quarter, Coach. In the third quarter, I hope I get all this right. Kansas City had zero first downs. They had five negative plays. They had two turnovers and four penalties. Yeah, if you forget that, though, they played very well. That's a good point. Yeah, that's actually a good point, Coach. Good point. <laughs> Final score there, what, 30 it's a seven, and uh, it's pretty hard to silence Arrowhead Stadium in a playoff football game, but that's what the Ravens did, and, and they did it with their defense and, and Joe Flacco. 
pretty darn good, Big Dog. He was extremely accurate. So he was accurate all day long. Uh, the defense was active. And if it wasn't for that long play by Jamal Charles, they'd been shut out, Coach. Because yep. they forced a fumble and then a 40-yard run almost immediately afterwards. Or else the Chiefs wouldn't have scored all day. Kansas City uh, bowing a great season for them, bounce back season, a, a disheveled and disgruntled Todd Haley on the sidelines, but uh, the Chiefs season comes to a close and the Baltimore Ravens basically, uh, uh, literally and figuratively flex their muscles in that second half, Doug. Isn't it funny how you can judge different teams? The Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. uh, go 10-6, win a division, get annihilated at home in the playoffs. They had a positive season. They had a good season. Yeah. And then have those Colts, go 10-6, and six, win their division, uh, lose yeah. by one at home just because they gave too much time to a quarterback, uh-huh. uh, and they had a disappointing, very upsetting season. It's all about expectations. Yeah, it's, it's totally it's all about, about expectations. A, all about expectations. A uh, strapping young producer like a David Olson back in the day, he goes out on the town and, uh, you know, ends up with a young lady of a, of a, you know, say a seven or eight very attractive young lady. That could be a disappointment for him. On the other hand, dog, you go out on the town right now and, you know, end out with that same, it could be a, that's a good night for you. It's all about expectations. Just as long as somebody buys me a drink, it's a good night. Even if his name is Earl. You gotta start somewhere. Yes. Gotta start somewhere. Or his name could be Todd Haley, even worse. (laughs) Todd Haley, was it just me or did Todd Haley age like eight years in that second half? He, at the start of the game, he was young, energetic. It looked like he, you know, he just freshly shaved by the end of the game, like two and a half hours later. The guy had like a six-day growth on his beard. His hairline was receding. His uh, posture was slumping. He did not look good at the end. You know, it, it's funny, Coach, because he's normally really energetic. Yep. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. <laughs> you know, and you're right. In the fourth quarter, he was reserved to the fact that his his uh, buttocks was just handed to him by John Harbaugh. Yeah. Yep. All right. Those are the first two. Actually, not the first two. We we jumped ahead a little bit. Let's go back to Saturday and the uh, upset of the weekend. The Seattle Seahawks knocking off New Orleans. Big dog. They played with uh, their defense. You know, they gave up what twenty six points. You said thirty six. Thirty six. But you know what? Forty one to thirty six. You know, it shows up on the scoreboard. I still thought their defense was flying around. I thought they made big plays. And of course, Matt Hasselbeck. uh, had a second coming. Actually, for Matt Hasselbeck, it was about a fifth coming. He's been around a long time. Yeah, he's he's been around for a while, Coach. But you know, he's had a he's had a, an up and down career. He's brought a team to the Super Bowl that was average. Mm-hmm. The the Seahawks in the '05 season. He also had a, in the '06 season. He had the whole uh, in overtime. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take the ball and score, and then the first pass he throws is intercepted for a touchdown. Overtime. That's bad, by the way, Coach. Just to let you know. Even with the new rules of overtime, that's that's bad for your team when you throw an interception return for a touchdown. Usually, usually, yeah, it's really bad. Yep, yep. <laughs> Drew Brees, the defending Super Bowl champion, New Orleans went down. I know, Big Dog, you picked New Orleans, but I don't think you were overly surprised by the upset, correct? No, no, and that's that I wanted to. Just a simple fact: you have no pressure on you whatsoever. Yep. The the Saints had so, so much trouble with their running game. You know, I, it's not. It wasn't that big of a shock. It's, as other people seem like that they uh, stole the victory down there. Mm-hmm. NFL right football there. talk from the games the world. We'll peek ahead to the weekend coming up as well. 888-463-6748. Give us a call. User-friendly sports talk. The big dog and the coach. Um, before we get to the final game, just, just quick from a psychological standpoint, Seattle against the Bears uh, Sunday. 
Sunday at 12 o'clock, two schools of thought, Big Dog. One, as you just mentioned, Seattle, no pressure, great momentum, got nothing to lose. They can play free and easy, dangerous team. Two, they've had their moment. They won their big game, and now it's down back to earth, and the Bears smack them all over the place. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking, Coach. And I know the Bears. And, and you know, I, I try to be as honest about the Bears. I try not to yep. homer it whatsoever. If I think they're going to lose, I'll tell you I think they're going to lose. I would feel very uncomfortable with the way the Lovey Smith organization has been over the years in games that, oh, yeah, we've destroyed the Carolina Panthers, so we got them in the playoffs, no problem. Oh, that didn't work out so well, if you remember. I, I, I like the fact that and they don't have to worry because when they're getting disrespected, when the Bears are underdogs, they play well. When they're 10-point favorites, look out. That's usually a sign to duck. Well, the Bears are 10-point favorites, but this was a team that had beaten them early, earlier. So the simple fact, they know they shouldn't have lost to the Seahawks. The Seahawks were horrible on the road this year. I mean, absolutely abysmal. But yet one of their two wins was at Soldier Field. I am so glad that the Bears lost to this team earlier in the year. I, I'm 100%, I'm 99% sure they're winning this game on Sunday, Coach. That 1% is just a simple mm-hmm. fact that you have 45 guys on each team and only 60-minute football games, so anything could happen. Put me down as uh, less confident than you. Okay. I, I think if the Bears, I think the Seattle Seahawks, I'm going to go with the number one in those two scenarios I painted, not number two. I think Petey Carroll and company will get them up to play. I think they're going to be enthusiastic. They're going to be flying to the football. I think it, if if the Bears win, I think it'll be a close game. I don't think they've shot their wide just yet, the Seattle Seahawks. Well, I, I can see a bit of close game. I'm sorry. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, that sneeze brought to you by Rolades. Rolades for men. Combine Rolades and nitrogen at the same time. And don't let your uh, friends try that. Thank you. You a little better now? Wow. I guess when I, I guess I'm going into beast mode, Coach. I start talking about the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> and I start thinking of Marshawn Lynch. By the way, that Marshawn Lynch, Woo! that rolled wow. like immediately. You know, I try sometimes when I see something great. I try to put it up there in uh, perspective. <laughs> Excuse me. God bless you. That sneeze that, brought that to you run. by Nutrisystem, the new in your revolution. Yes, sir. That uh, the new in your revolution. Whatever. It's one of the greatest postseason plays ever, Coach. <laughs> Let's hear it. Oh, I think I'm done, Coach. That's what, I, that's what I like about our show, folks. Other shows will hit the cough button or whatever special button that is. We don't have that button. So all the bodily functions, the sneezes, the coughs, the adjustments, if you will, whatever it might be, they come over loud and clear, we feel. We feel on this show, Big Doug, it's a way of making us closer to the listener. Sometimes well, I'm definitely closer now. Yeah, sometimes we're a little bit too close to the listener. God bless you. Well, <laughs> I've been out of breath this whole show, Coach. I don't know if you've noticed. That, I haven't. Yeah, it's uh, I'm totally clogged up. But this is, is I'm starting to get loosened up. The best way right. it's like right now it's like seven thirty on the Dan Ryan. <laughs> I usually pick up on your heavy heavy breathing. Today I did not, and I did notice as soon as you started talking about Marshawn Lynch's run. You started sneezing. I'm going to guess there's some psychological reason for that. I have to admit that it was it was a very it was a turn on for me. <laughs> I was actually sexually aroused while he was right, running down the people's field, slapping people. Take it easy. You never got to your analysis of that run. Are you as uh, as I not thinking the announcers were over exaggerating when they said one of the finest runs they've seen in NFL playoff football history? It absolutely was. Um, that was I said it like before. All the other guys on the on the commentary had said it. I'm like that. That's about as good as you get, you know. And 
that's way up there, Coach. Uh, broke eight tackles legitimately. Six very, very possible tackles, and two were like arm tackles diving at him. That that was an amazing run, Coach. Amazing. And it came at a, at a critical time. And, you know, young running back coaches could basically show that run because it featured everything. Reversing, I think, whatever hole he was supposed to hit, he saw it wasn't there, so he had the vision to cut back the other way. Yeah. The strength and the refusal to go down, keep the legs moving, he broke two or three solid tackles. The balance. When he got knocked off, almost lost his balance. He kept his balance, and then at the end, the burst and the great speed, a little bit of everything. It was it was running back play one hundred and one, all in one particular play. It absolutely was, Coach. Uh, that you know, it's funny that there was a play by Fred Taylor who went like ninety runs, ninety yards yep. against the the Dolphins back in like in ninety nine, Dan Marino's last game, and you know he did all that, Coach. But it was nowhere near as good as Marshawn Lynch's run. Nowhere near. All right. So Seattle knocks off New Orleans, uh, the Jets over Indianapolis. We had Baltimore taking care of Kansas City. Last game, just to quickly review, Green Bay and Philadelphia, very entertaining dog, came down to the final a couple of series. The Packers, as uh, most of us predicted, advanced over the Philadelphia Eagles. Your thoughts on that game? Um, you know what, Coach? I really wasn't sure who to root for as a Bears fan, just throwing it out there, because I don't know. Assuming that you know we're rooting for the other games because we're trying to we're, we're, the, the Bears going to beat the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's what you, you get to do that as a, in the NFL if your team is still in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if I'd rather be at home against the against the Packers or go to uh, Atlanta and take on the Falcons right now. I really yeah. the, normally the answer is oh you want to be at home to a lower seed. Why would you want to go to the number one overall seed? It's a little different. This isn't your typical year. I, I really don't know, especially if. Uh, Green Bay has this kid, James Starks, running the football. Aaron Rodgers can be very, very dangerous. Green Bay looks as good as Atlanta does right now. You would so, be in the minority, I think, with Chicago fans. Any fans, Bear fans out there, you want to take issue with the dog. 888-463-6748 facing Atlanta indoors in their comfort zone or whatever that dome is called. That's a tough Georgia task. Dome. Yeah, the Georgia Dome. Um but, you know, sometimes being in the minority is the right way. And you are exactly right, by the way. One of the standouts for the Green Bay Packers, the running game had struggled all season long with injuries. James Stark's a rookie, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a rookie. He was a six-round draft. Six-round draft pick. He didn't play like one. Played like an NFL veteran. He was very, very uh, not only effective but uh, confident. He ran with authority. And, boy, if he runs like that, watch out. Green Bay Packers could go the distance because you give Aaron Rodgers a running game, that defense is not bad. I'll tell you another area the Packers I was impressed with, Big Dog, and I haven't watched that much Packer football this year. They're, I'm going to forget some of the names, but their uh, defensive backs and their safeties are outstanding. Oh, Coach, Coach, they're they're excellent. You get, don't forget you got Charles Woodson out there. you got Nick Collins. Yeah, that's the kid I like, Nick Collins. He's the safety, right? Yes. And, and, and and who's the other kid, Trumaine or Tremaine? Uh, Trimon Williams. Yeah. Trimon Williams. Yeah. Okay, because the uh, Illinois guy got Trevon Wilson. I always get those two names mixed up. And and, and their front, B.J. Raja, Clay Matthews, uh, that the the Barnett kid. Uh, they they've got a really nice front, and they got this guy Kenny Walden, coach number ninety three. Kenny Walden. So against the, yeah, against the Bears, he was dominating. Against the Eagles, he was making play after play after play. Unsigned free agent. Undrafted free agent, coach. My roster here, my Packer roster in front of me says Kenny Walden, assistant equipment manager. Are you sure you got the right guy? Yeah, and he's six foot seven, about two hundred and ten pounds. He's one of those really tall. 
that he's long and athletic yeah. and he plays weak side linebacker. That kid was making play after play after yeah. play. Undrafted. Totally undrafted. My roster here does say uh, for an equipment manager, it's got a little scouting report, excellent size for an assistant equipment manager on Kenny Ward. Yeah, absolutely does, Coach. I would have to agree with that synopsis right goes, there. Goes well to his right. Does White's extremely well in the laundry, laundry struggles with colors and finding the wrong, uh, the right cool temperature? Well, there was one color he knew where to find, and that was orange <laughs> and blue, and now the last week it was silver and, and, and green. Uh, goodness. 888 The uh, wild card weekend is done, and, boy, it was quality NFL football. Sneak peek ahead, Big Doe. you got four great games coming up this weekend. Whatever jobs you got, whatever social arrangements you got, cancel them. You need to watch each and every one of these particular games. Oh, you know I'm going to watch it. Well, I mean, what else am I going to do? You know, it's, it's, you know, 12 hours of football. Now, how is you're, you're in a new relationship, a semi-committed with a fine female. How is she taking to your football watching over the weekend? No, she realizes that it's only a couple weekends out of a whole entire year that uh, it's my job, it's, it's my passion. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just have a foot rub equals a football game, Coach. <laughs> okay. So, well, you so, know what, I let her rub my feet, and then I get to watch the football game. Oh, I thought... So, <laughs> I thought it was the other way around. I thought you get to watch a football game, but you give her a foot rub. Oh, no, that's disgusting, Coach. That's nasty. What's good for one is good for the other. What comes around goes around. Nothing wrong with an occasional foot well, she, rub. She enjoys making me feel good, Coach. So, you know, I'll get the massage, and then she'll, she can watch, mm-hmm. and See, I'll I, be like, hey, I'll let you cook for me if I can watch football yeah, all day. See, like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I have not met this young lady already, but I can see the relationship is not going in a good trend. I believe this is what a psychologist would say. This is a one-sided relationship headed nowhere. What are you talking about? We go out and I take her dancing and stuff. <laughs> uh, I've got the big dog doing a, a Freddie back pedal sign here. All right, well, we'll <laughs> I can play DB coach. I can play weak corner. It's all good. We'll talk off air, but I've got some issues here. Better, better yet, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to her. He's to exert oh, please, himself a please, little bit more. Please, coach, she doesn't please. realize that when football ends, we got you know NBA playoff stuff. You no, know, then no, you're going to no, have no. March Madness, where like four weekends in a row you you spend on the couch watching the game. Sports is a it's a year round thing, big dog. Very few well, vacations. Well, coach, don't don't tell her this, okay? And by the way, during the month of February, the only thing that I have to watch is mm-hmm. Illinois basketball. Okay. So come March Madness, you know, then I'm be like, hey, I got I got to do it again. So that's that's mm-hmm. four out of the seven days during the all week. Right. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll be all hers. Okay. okay. All right. And then all April, right. and then April through August, I have to uh, be and moan about the the Chicago Cubs every single day. <laughs> and then football starts yeah. again in September. So yes, yeah, so don't let this girl know just yet that how how busy I'm going to be. Okay. Uh, sneak peek, just a couple of thoughts. Don't have much time. Just quick, quick thoughts. Uh, game one, Saturday, 3 o'clock, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. The Steelers, you're familiar with them. Well, could you ask for a better uh, divisional round matchup than those two, two that's teams? Your, that's, your ap- that's your appetizer game. Yeah, You know, typically, you know, the wild card weekend has your close games, and then the divisional round has all the blowouts. And then it gets good again in the championship weekend is basically what happens because you basically have four teams mm-hmm. that have two weeks to prepare against a one-week team. That game, not going to be a blowout. I will be shocked if it's by more than eight points. If it's by more than one score at the end of that game, my mouth will drop open, Coach. Right, that, that's going to be a fist fight all the way to the end. Very good. We look forward to that one. That's our appetizer, meat and potatoes, entree game number one, Saturday at 7 o'clock. Cancel your Saturday social plans, Green Bay at Atlanta, another great ball game. Uh, you know, Atlanta's got the running game. Yep. 
They've got uh, the, the small, quick defense. Uh, they got Maddie Ryan, Maddie Ice, who throws the ball to Roddy White and Tony Gonzalez whenever he wants to. So it looks like that should be a blowout against a sixth seed who barely has been able to run the football all year. But don't you just feel like uh, Aaron Rodgers really is going to keep any game close and that's impossible for that game to be a blowout? Mm-hmm. Not impossible, but uh, just shocking. I I don't think they'll be able to just impose the Atlanta Falcons' fundamentally sound will as they have on everybody all year long. Yeah. They're They're like the Chiefs, but better. You know, they don't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, they're, the, they're the Chiefs with a better passing game is what uh, the Falcons are. And, the, and the, the Ravens were able to expose them. If we're going to see blowouts, a uh, better chance on Sunday than on Saturday. I would. You never know, obviously, but I would agree with you looking ahead. Speaking of Sunday, entree course number two, 12 o'clock. Set your alarm for 11 o'clock, big dog. Make sure you're stretching out, doing your exercises, drinking your raw eggs, etc. Be ready, 12 o'clock Seattle at a team you're quite familiar with, your Chicago Bears. Yeah, and uh, everybody's like, oh, this is the 10-point favorite. You know, the Bears are at home. They're supposed to dominate. I, we all know better. As Bears fans, we know. Well, it's going to take a, a Devin Hester punt return. It's going to take a forced fumble by Julius Peppers. Uh, the Bears win this game like 24-20, to 20, and, and the Bears coaching staff gets all smug about a playoff win. What happens here? <laughs> and hopefully uh, Lovey Smith does not get like a 11-year contract extension. Oh, you beat you beat a seven to nine team in the playoffs yeah. at home. You know that isn't used to negative ten degree weather. Mm-hmm. You know that's oh here here's a billion dollars. So right. final game the uh, dessert after the end of those three games you can wash it down with the New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Uh, Jets got a chance, big dog. We all know the Pats are on an absolute roll at the end of the season. You know the Patriots did not turn the ball over besides one time, and the ball that the, the and the Patriots. One turnover the last nine games of the season. That's ridiculous. You usually win if you have one turnover over a nine-game stretch. And the turnover was when Danny Woodhead got erased on a hit and went unconscious and just, like, went limp and dropped the ball. You know, so it was it was an injury-imposed hit on Danny Woodhead. Mm-hmm. Can you, have you ever heard of that, Coach? No. One that's, turnover by an NFL team in a, nine weeks? These are NFL defenses they're going against. It's a ridiculous statistic. And it's not like New England plays real close to the vest either. They're not the most offensively dramatic team, but uh, they get after it. They go and get it. They don't play that conservatively. One turnover in nine regular season NFL games, that's absurd. Yeah, and they they play the style, take what the defense gives you. If they're given, mm-hmm. if they're playing up on the receivers, guess what? They're going deep. If they're playing middle of the road, they'll figure something out. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. They, they do not – they play to what the defense gives them. The, Tom Brady, the perfect manager of the game because he'll do whatever it takes to win. What do we need to do to win? If it's throw it deep, I'll throw it deep. Yep. Throw it short, I'll throw it short. Get rid of it. So the, 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 the Jets can blitz these guys all they want, but if you blitz Tom Brady, he just picks you apart. Uh, they they blitzed them all. The last time they played, they blitzed them all day long, and they won 45-3. to three. Yeah, we so, got lots of time to preview these games. We'll do it over the course of the week. Big Dog, uh, as I close the show, I missed the show yesterday. I was at a funeral, and I do want to dedicate the final 45 seconds, final minute of the show to a guy you never met, but but you would love. You would have loved Glenview Tim, the junkyard dog, passed away suddenly, tragically, heart attack at the age of 47. This is a guy, coach with Big Dog, huge Cub fan, huge Bear fan, a laugh that you could hear two baseball fields away. He was always upbeat, the kind of guy that would help you out coaching, pat kids on the back, joking, laughing. He enjoyed life. He was full of life. Uh, big guy and just uh, you know went out for dinner, I think, uh, last Tuesday night. Came back, 
didn't feel good, threw up, and, and apparently throwing up is a precursor to a heart attack. I had never heard that before, forgot. I, well, it's good to know. It's I had never heard that before. But anyhow, suddenly had a heart attack, passed away, two young boys. But uh, big, I just wish you would have met him because you and him would have been two peas in a pod. So uh, throw some kudos out to my good friend, Glenview Tim. Uh, Glenview Tim, wish I would have met you. And hopefully your family can do well without you around. So yep. absolutely. Beautiful. Dog, you on the show tomorrow? Yes, I'll be here, Coach. Beautiful. No, no, talk. No, tomorrow I have oh. to go to a wake. What? I have to go to a wake of my own tomorrow, Coach. Oh, boy. So. All right, well, you can do your own uh, kudos on the show. Okay, I'll have to do those on Thursday. Beautiful. Be safe. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks for listening out there, everybody. David Olson, our producer, despite the one and three beat the schmo picks on the weekend. Great job. Uh, we'll be back at it, 10 o'clock tomorrow, talkzone.com. Two guys in a mic. Thank you so much for listening. Have an outstanding day.